Hello everyone, welcome back to Never Ignored, a football podcast. Uh, on today's episode, we'll be offering our thoughts on the Premier League's pay-per-view model, uh, Manchester United being the best team in Paris, and uh, Project Big Picture, uh, but now it's in Europe. I'm Aleem, and I'm joined as always by Imti. Uh, Imti, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, can't complain. Uh, United have won two games since we last uh, last been here, so you know things are looking good. <laughs> looking good indeed and things are looking up for the podcast guys thanks for all the kind of feedback and comments and uh, and views that we got on the uh, first podcast it was very helpful getting that information look forward to receiving more yeah i mean we we got uh, 35 views on our youtube upload which is our, t- our typical um upload a typical amount of views for an upload is zero to three so <laughs> a, a record-breaking <laughs> um, and even stuff like um, so, you can see like so, eleven uh, percent of people who saw the, saw the link clicked on it, which is pretty good for uh, for YouTube. Um, and yeah, so our views increased over nine hundred ninety nine percent, and same for our watch time hours. So yeah, it was nice to see a positive response to our little little rebrand. And yeah, thank you for all the comments and stuff. <laughs> Very happy. Oh, we're looking looking forward to more. And um, and speaking forward to speak and speaking of looking forward to more, MT. Uh, the Premier League wants more. The Premier League wants fourteen yeah. uh, to ninety five pence per certain games. Yeah. So there, there's is not a ni- as nice of a change as we had. But um, I mean, I guess everyone knows that since the lockdown and fans not being able to go to games, every game's been shown on TV and every game's been free. Well, not sorry, not every game's been free, but there's been free. Those games have been free that weren't. Uh, weren't uh, going to be originally broadcast. But now uh, the Premier League clubs and Sky and BT have decided that they think it's worth us paying £15 a game <laughs> to watch it, which um, I know that, yeah, we have one member of our podcast crew who has uh, paid for that. Uh, so, Aleem, I don't know, was it was it worth it? Like to... <laughs> so, 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 first things first, I, I initially had made the intention that I would not be paying um, £14.95. Um, let's be specific, because obviously that five pence matters. Um, to, 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 as to whether I would be watching the, the, the Manchester United-Newcastle game. But when the day came, I asked myself, was I really doing anything tonight? I said no. I thought could think of worse ways of spending fifteen pound. Um, first thing that comes to mind is spending fifteen pound on Sheffield United versus Fulham on Sunday, um, and and I just went for it. Uh, the first, but we'll come on to it maybe further uh, down. Yeah, we'll, we'll analyze the game a bit further. I guess, but, but but about ten minutes into the fixture, I was a bit. Sorry, about 10 minutes. That's, that that sound, makes it sound good. About one minute into the fixture, I was a bit, oh no, I might have wasted my money. But um, but then, yeah. I thought, I thought yeah. Uh, basically, looking at the starting lineups, you were thinking, have, have, I waste, have I wasted my money rather than even getting into the game? But, so, so I made the mistake of purchasing this uh, pay-per-view uh, early on the Saturday and about an hour before kickoff, seeing Danny, Dan James was in the lineup. I then began to reassess my decision. But let me give some more information on, on kind of this PPV model. So sure. apparently, five, five fixtures per round. Uh, that aren't already picked to be shown live on TV will, will cost the fourteen ninety five, and the Premier League have said it's a interim solution, um, not really putting an end date on it. I don't think. Uh, in terms of voting, uh, from in terms of Premier League teams that voted for this, uh, all nineteen teams voted bar one. Uh, Leicester City were the only team that voted against it. Um, so you know, good guys, Leicester City. Um, some of the some of the games. 
um, that I personally think. I, I so I personally think that some of the games that they've put on there are games that they should that should have been in kind of those prime time on Sky Sports slash BT Sports slots. So there's a couple games there that have already come uh, onto on the PPV model, um, and there's one coming on Friday, Villa versus Leeds, um, which is you know it was a tasty game last season uh, or two seasons ago in the Championship. So I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Like, so two, two Premier League giants that yeah. haven't been around. Long time, right? There's a bit of a story there, and then also uh, Leicester versus Villa. Friday night. You say it was Friday night that one. Yeah, this Friday, and, and typically they've always aired the Sunday, the the, yeah. the Friday night on Sky Sports. So Sky I made a big thing about Friday night football and this and that. Even the the United Newcastle last week was that late slot, the eight o'clock kind of Saturday. Yeah, which isn't yeah. A, when, you, when you're signing up for your Sky subscription. These are the kind of things they advertise to you as. <laughs> as part of the benefit so, um, so yeah and you're completely right and if to be honest i kind of feel so so the games i've kind of picked out that are on this new ppv model uh on o- over the next coming week villa versus leeds leicester versus villa which happened last week arsenal versus leicester villa versus southampton um so to me it's, it's, they don't like villa and they don't like leicester do they they're, i don't know it's to me it seems and these are they're, they're fairly exciting teams i think especially well, villa, villa are on the only team with 100 percent record still right four exactly. games played four games won 12 goals scored and only two conceded so it's, abs- know, it's absolutely I, I ridiculous watch, i want to watch villa but i don't want to pay 15 pounds to watch him it's absolutely um, ridiculous that that villa are okay so maybe they've put this agenda together god knows when and villa probably weren't didn't think they'd do as good but like you know games like villa versus leeds leicester versus villa these are good games you know there's a bit of a story behind it there's a midlands kind of angle you can put on leicester versus villa villa v leeds against like a championship you know th- these guys had a big battle yeah. two seasons ago that whole bees uh, incident where they let them score an own goal and all that kind of stuff there's some bad blood between the two oh, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, you know they're interesting games, and and I'm very shocked. And I think the, the you know the, the kind of the less the, the skeptical side of me is making me think that the Premier League has kind of said, hmm, you know what, a game here or there might actually pull us in. You know those fourteen pound ninety five punters. So so let's stick it on the pay per view. Um, so it's it's quite you know it's a, it's a bit of a it's a, it's a bit of, it's quite sometimes sad. To feel, sometimes feel a bit bad for Villa fans. Like let's say they're already subscribed to Sky. Like uh, my Sky bill is eighty pounds a month. Yeah. Um, so let's assume I'm a Villa fan then, and then I'd have had to have spent what forty five pound extra in a month just to watch the Aston Villa games, which is absolutely yeah. ridiculous because it's not even like you're getting the content of, yeah. and that's not even including BT Sport. I've just mentioned Sky. So assuming you add a BT Sport subscription on for another twenty thirty quid or whatever, you're borderline one hundred and fifty two hundred pounds a month you're going to be spending to watch. To, to watch football. To make matters worse, um, when I did watch the United. Um, the, the Manchester United versus Newcastle United game, there wasn't even a half-time analysis. There, oh, this is what got me, yeah. I remember when you told me this, I was thinking, what? They just paid £15 and they've got no... <laughs> there was no guys in the studio. There was no Patrice Evra in pain. There was no Roy Keane just saying furious things. It was literally the guys yeah, commenting. Where's, where's what's this £15 going to? Is it going, what, £7.50 each for the clubs or what? So Sky are not taking a cut? I don't know. Because it... You'd expect this guy any money out of that. They should be putting, um, they should be putting some people on the, <laughs> on the ground at least. There was nothing. Yeah. It was literally the commentators speaking over uh, highlight clips at half time, and then at full time, it was the commentators again speaking over highlight clips. It was about maybe five minutes worth of analysis. Now, me personally, uh, I I wouldn't really care too much about them not putting it on. But when you're specifically spending almost fifteen pound to watch that football game, yeah, you've got to fund it, at least got- at least two. I'm not asking for a full. A full suite, a full suite of them, but at least two guys, right? A host and a pundit. <laughs> so yeah, that's the least 
asked for, right? And and it's quite it's quite a quite a shame. And it, also, it's not the first time. I think there was a. I'm not too sure which one. There was another fixture as well where they had it on the PPV model, and people were literally, I think, tweeting saying they're just showing pictures of the stadium at halftime. <laughs> and and the the Newcastle United and the United game that that was at eight o'clock. There was no other games going on. They could have sent they could have sent people there. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's all it's all a bit bizarre, really. But yeah, it looks like kind of they're kind of handpicking what fixtures go on there and and that kind of stuff. Uh, again, the cost is, I think, for the for the for the consumer on the consumer point of view, it's, it's ridiculous having to I pay. Think you kind of, I could kind of understand five pounds, maybe. Yeah, I was going to ask you what what would you what would you have paid? Uh, you know, it, what what would what would you have said? You know what, this is a fair fair price. I think I think five because then assuming assuming worst case scenario, the team that I support is playing on PPV four times a month. Let's say. Yeah. 20 pounds seems okay yeah um, i agree i think 20 pounds reasonable for like what uh 360 minutes of premier league football yeah or less. um and then but then even then uh, i mean what i read sky and bt you know they they haven't had to pay anything extra to get these games you know, they've not had a new tv deal where they've had to pay more money to get them. they're getting these games for free um so if they're taking any cut of it i mean that's just a joke really that <laughs> they're getting the games for free and they're charging us fifteen pounds to watch it. I, w- I wouldn't um, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. And then, and then, um, my mind just gone blank under the way. Well, I was I was going to say the other thing. So, I mean, we we've seen some like um, Ed Woodward PR moves come out saying that he was against it, blah blah blah. But then it's like you mentioned earlier, Leicester were the only team to vote against it. So, what's the point if he's coming out and saying, "Oh, we were against it," blah blah blah, and then not actually voting against it? He voted for it. <laughs> It just sums him up, really, that he's trying to make himself look like the good guy, when actually he's uh, he's not done anything to help. Um, that does that does sum up, uh, sum up uh, Edward Wood in a line. And speaking so speaking of blockbusters that uh, you know the Premier League are trying to get yeah. uh, PPV money out of. Uh, let's let's speak about a very recent blockbuster that took place about two nights ago, Manchester United versus PSG. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So the Champions League is back. Um, which before before the game, I was starting to think: is it is it really the right thing to do at the moment? Have teams traveling around Europe playing each other? Um, especially Paris has got pretty high rates of coronavirus at the moment, and so is Manchester as well. <laughs> um, so it's really the good idea to get these guys playing. But then uh, I quickly forgot about that when uh, we uh, obviously won the game. <laughs> the, the the moment Rashford scored the goal, I said, "Let's null and void the competition. Call it as yeah. it is. Just call it call it call it a day there." Um, yeah. It's, it's a win for us. No, uh, so in all seriousness, um, yeah, Manchester United they they continued that kind of amazing um, record of two wins now in the in, over in Paris. So in my eyes, you know, Ole Ole is now the king of Paris. Uh, so well, it was their first their first home defeat in the group stages since two thousand four, which is pretty crazy. Wow. I mean, I don't know how many years they were actually in the Champions League in that period, but it's a fair amount. And they've had some decent teams in the group. I'm sure they had Barca in the group recently. They did. Uh, uh, um, what what my personal kind of favorite part of this whole um, result was Verratti uh, last season or the season before sorry uh, uh, came out and said if Manchester United had played us uh, ten times uh, nine times out of ten we would have beat them. Um, he, so he, now we, in recent times we've played them three times right and we've won two of the games. Um, so that's sixty six percent really. <laughs> yeah. So 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 Verratti, I'd like you to fact check next time you make those statements. <laughs> Fake, fake news, fake yeah. news from Verratti. Um, 
I, ne- I never used to be that bothered about PSG as a team, but after seeing United play them a few times, they're just they're just a horrible team. I don't know, but I just I really dislike PSG now. You know what? Yeah. It's, it's something that I started noticing when they were playing Liverpool in the uh, group stages. Yeah. So I remember when they played Liverpool, they kept rolling around and dropping to contact and surrounding the referee and screaming at, at him for like tiny little things to try and get players booked or sent off. And I just think, I don't know. Uh, I'm not too it's sure. Just it, it, it is embarrassing and I don't watch French fo- French league football much so I don't know if, yeah, if that's normal like, there I don't know um, I don't know if it's kind of like just something that's accepted there and it's not an issue so that's why they bring it across but honestly it is embarrassing I think as a professional adult to to be doing that kind of stuff especially when uh, the, the, even though you're playing another team there's still a person who's in the same profession as you um, you know you would just expect them to treat each other a bit a bit, bit, a bit better and I'm uh, yeah I was just shocked and I'm glad Neymar yeah, got you know card for morning Mbappe was pretty he was fine I think I didn't really see anything from him but Neymar Neymar led the rest of them and like just every time there's a decision against them you know they're acting like it, they've I don't know it's the biggest injustice that's ever happened Um who are you? Uh, uh, who are you impressed with uh, from from the United team? From the United team, um, pretty much everyone. Really, De Gea had one of his best performances in years. A very like, long time. Years. Even from like right from the get go, he just looked right right back to his best. Uh, his even his delivery, everything was just like what you want from him. Um, you know, he was commanding the area. He was getting the ball out quickly, and it was actually going to people, <laughs> which was good. Um, and the, some of the saves he pulled off were brilliant. Um, and you know, in that early PSG onslaught, if it wasn't for him, we could have been two, three, no down within 10, 15 minutes. Um, so we, we, we weathered the storm pretty well. Um, who else? Uh, Lindelof was fine. He didn't really make any mistakes, but I wouldn't say he necessarily stood out to me. I, I know, um, uh, I know a, uh, a, a popular journal, journalistic publication that would disagree with you on that. MT. Um, so Lit Equip, the, the famous, yeah. Uh, the guys who do the Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or and stuff like that. Lee Equip gave um, gave Alex Tellez and Lindelof both seven out of ten ratings, uh, which was the joint highest uh, from the Manchester oh, United squad. I'd yeah, seven seems fair. Seven out of ten, which was the highest, and then for context, Neymar and Mbappe both got a four out of ten. Um, I'm now using the Lee Equip as that makes sense, but I would have had Twenzebi as a nine, De Gea as a nine, Rashford as maybe an eight. Bruno interestingly, interestingly they put uh, Twanzebi as a five. Uh, now, me personally, for me personally, I think Twanzebi was probably man of the match. Uh, I give, yeah, I'd say that. Him and De Gea, the, I, I'd say me. I'd give it to Twanzebi uh, purely because, um, I first of all, I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect him to have a good game because he's been out for so yeah. long. Uh, he's he's very young. Um, he it was his first ever start in the Champions League. Um, so I, I don't know in my head I just didn't see it going well I thought to myself yeah. Mbappe's going to have a field day here uh, Neymar will probably do some step overs pressing or something um, <laughs> but but you know he had an incredible game there was that moment where he made that tackle on Mbappe where he sprinted back and he just like calmly you know stayed on his feet got the ball that's, that's, what, we've, that's what we've lacked for a long time like um, we've, we're both we're both fans of Bai but He's got the pace, but you almost never know what he's going to do when he gets to. No, you don't. You don't know if he's going to chop the guy's leg off. Uh, more <laughs> on that later when we discuss Pickford, and um, or if he's just going to like get a very nice clean slide. You just don't know. And then yeah, with Maguire, 
no idea. But with Twanzebe, he just looked so composed. Even on the ball, he was he was brilliant. And the the pace he shoot, he showed to keep up with Mbappe and whatnot, it was it was brilliant. It was impressive yeah. considering Mbappe is considered to be one of the fastest players, kind of you know in in the Champions League. And then I don't know where they got five five out. Of, maybe they changed the scale for him. Did they mean five out of five? <laughs> I mean, five out of three. Um, and then to, to, to something else I kind of uh, I digged up earlier. So Ryan Giggs believes uh, Tanzabi can play central midfield and he says that because he praises uh, how well he reads the game. Uh, so so f- for those that don't know, Giggs actually coached Tanzabi when he was the assistant under Van Hall uh, and Tanzabi made yeah. his debut that I read, season. I read, I read that quote. I, I, I don't want to hear any of that. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want him worrying about what his best position is, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he looks like a very good centre back, um, and that's the position we need someone in at the moment. So, I think Giggsy needs to keep his opinions to himself on this one. I, I, I would suggest that uh, Giggsy might make some questionable decisions, so I wouldn't trust his logic. Um, but very interestingly, as well, uh, it was the first time uh, Neymar had failed to score in four consecutive matches in the Champions League. Um, yeah, I mean, in, the, in their run to the final last year, he was pretty poor. If you ask me, he was, um, he was very poor. He was very poor. <laughs> Watched quite a few of those games. He missed so many so chances that you expect from one of his. He he supposed- was very he he was very poor. I think um I was actually surprised because it was the first time I was probably keeping a better eye on him because obviously I was like how highly he's praised and stuff. And yeah. He just didn't have any composure. Like he was really good at doing all the the cool looking stuff, and he was really good at that, like like the best. But he just wasn't good at doing the clinical stuff. So he was kind yeah, of like a. I think to me, his whole time at Paris, it just seemed like he just can't be bothered. Almost like he just thinks that he's so good that. No matter what he does, he'll pull it off successfully. Um, and then when it comes to the big games, then he can't turn it back on because he's just been so lazy and not bothered for the rest of the, for the rest of the time. Speaking um, speaking of um, a kind of of Brazilians, what about our new Brazilian at left back? Um, wow, tell yeah, us uh, some, some of those crosses were like just amazing. Like the corners he was taking, the the whip and the bend, and like it, they, it was causing absolute havoc. Um, you know, it was one of those things where you you have to wonder if Maguire if Maguire was there, he could he probably could add had a hat trick. Uh, <laughs> the way Tellers was Tellers or Talise, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, was uh, putting those balls in. Um, and he looked fairly solid as well. Um, obviously, it helped having the five at the back, but. Honestly, I, I forgot. Point. Honestly, I just forgotten like how good it looks to see a ball actually bend in the air on a cross. <laughs> it's been so long, and uh, yeah, honestly, it was Bruno's, 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 Bruno's set pieces improved us dramatically. Um, but his are more traditional, I guess. Yeah, they they don't have the the whip and the bend that um, that Telus was was putting in. The yeah. benefit is this: Telus can now. Um, the, uh, the the good news is is now Telus can whip it in on the other foot so for corners on the That's other side left footed option now um because we've not really had a left footed set piece taker for this quite a while, so though. this makes me think um actually um the five at the three slash not first choice i guess but yeah so so the kind of three slash five at the back whatever you want to call it that that Ali tends to operate in these big games where the teams come on to us a lot um it seems to be quite successful for us because we have had good results against big teams um you know if you take out the odd blip here and there but but it's very consistent i don't know what what, yep. what do you think about you deploying that on a regular basis because i know arsenal do that very fairly regularly no matter who the quality of the opposition is and they're quite successful with it um so maybe that's a potential because we've seen what Shaw. It's, it's tough because um i guess yeah before we had fullbacks that weren't the most attacking i mean sure even even in when he was playing left center back he did pretty well going forward he did yeah uh, Wambasaka scored in 
50% of his last two games, which is a pretty good return. Um, <laughs> but even he's like, he's, he's, he seems like he's getting, he's getting more confident as he's going forward. Um, I remember second. So that, yeah. So now that we have Teles, who is, who does like to get forward, you can see that formation maybe being played a bit more. Um, just the worry is that against teams that sit back, you know, is it too many players in the middle of the pitch? I don't know, like three centre-backs, the two midfielders, the number 10, the strikers. It might be all a bit too narrow for me. Um, that would be my concern. Against teams like PSG, and I think we employed it against City last year and stuff, it works brilliantly because we can hit them on the break with our yeah. countering. And, stuff. and Some of Bruno's passing yesterday was like, it makes you think like... <laughs> I mean, I really rate Pogba, even though he's going through a bit of a tough time. But, you know, when Bruno is spraying those long balls around, you start to wonder, do we even need Pogba in the team? Um, you do wonder that because right. even, you know, with the addition of Van der Beek, you can also argue that we've kind of got a creative force there now as well. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's a good question to ask. Because, yeah, when you look at the their particular abilities, the one thing that traditionally you think Pogba is better than everyone at is his long balls. But some of the ones Bruno was playing were brilliant. Um, so, yeah. I guess he can't do it all all the time, but I don't know. Pogba's got to work. He's got to work hard to get. I think to get back in the team at the moment. Um, so, I know Oli said that he's not been playing because he he picked up a knock for France. But everyone in that midfield had good games. Um, Fred, Fred, I think he ran them. He he covered the most ground out of any any player in, the, in on both teams. Um, br- closely followed by Bruno. Closely followed by McTominay. You know, those are the kind of that's the kind of work rate you need in. Um, in in that area of the pitch for us at the moment, um, and you know they all played ni- the, the full. I think Bruno went off in the 90th minute, and then Scott uh, McTominay and R- Fred they played 95 minutes between them. Uh, sorry, each. Um, so yeah, you want to see that kind of work rate, um, which Pogba hasn't traditionally shown. Um, but yeah, it's it's good. It's a good problem to have at the moment. I think. I agree with you. I definitely agree with you. So elsewhere in the Champions League, um, Liverpool, Bayern, City, Barca, Juve all won as expected. Uh, Borussia yeah. Dortmund lose uh, unlucky Sancho. Uh, Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Real Madrid lose as well. And quite quite ironically, before the game, they they sent a tweet out saying Real Madrid have never lost to to a Ukrainian team in the Euro- Champions League. Um, kind no, of jinx themselves. Yeah, I remember there was one before when. Um... I think there might have been pre-Twitter, but Barca were playing Arsenal in the Champions League, and everyone everyone on TV was making a big deal about how Ibrahimovic had never scored against um, an English team or something like that. And obviously, he then went and scored two goals. You like, <laughs> it's like sometimes you, when you say these things, uh, you're just asking for someone to go and, um, yeah, you know. It's a good point. Maybe the um, maybe the, the the Twitter admins at, at these respective teams should avoid digging out these statistics that end up jinxing them. Save it for after the game. After the game, exactly. If you if you if you beat them or draw again, then you can say, oh yeah, by the way, we've never lost to a to a Ukrainian team. There you go. But you, you know, they're tr- trigger happy, I guess, with their tweets. There you go. So speak, speaking of European football, I think some guys have had a great idea. Why don't we play this all the time? This is the best thing that we can do. So kind of this European Super League uh, kind of document has been, I think, I don't know what the word is, leaked, purposely sent out, who knows? Um, to, and it contains some information on proposals for moving forward in the world of football. So uh, Liverpool and Man United obviously have been put at the spearhead as, as the guys that are responsible for this because it links back to the big picture stuff. Um, 
quite interestingly as well there's there's been some active involvement from five other remaining so sorry a few other rem- remaining clubs of the big six uh, so there's some speculation as to whether who makes up. There's only, five, only five out of the six six right so it's interesting yeah. to be it is interesting the smallest club out of the lot so maybe that maybe they weren't invited i've got yeah i've got a question for you who would you say out of arsenal chelsea city and spurs who, who gets the cut who doesn't make it into the well, five well I, I don't know i get chelsea have to be in there right you, i think, think, chelsea I think as a default they'd get in there because they've won the champions yeah. league so they have to yeah um arsenal you'd say would be the biggest out of the three other three arsenal city spurs but they haven't been in the champions league for a long time and Spurs um, have been in a final, final not long ago. Yeah. So who misses out out of those three? Oh, so is it the question? Roy Levi is. You'd think he would be involved in something like this. I feel like that's something he'd be involved in. Much so. Um, so I would say Spurs are in there, and I guess City City kind of have to be. So I'd say maybe Arsenal are the ones who are missing out. Possibly, Maybe. yeah. Possibly Arsenal. So, so some further information on kind of what this uh, European Super League thing looks like. So according to Sky News, a Wall Street bank have assembled almost a 4.6 billion funding package. So they're strongly enticing. <laughs> and and um, they're aiming to get this to start in the season occurring 2022 so our world cup season um kind of the format of how it would look is uh, each team plays each other twice a season uh both home and away and then the top top ranked teams haven't specified up to what spot would compete in a kind of knockout tournament so then probably assuming what we saw last at the end of uh, champions league last year um what it, the information that has come out is uefa haven't backed it unsurprisingly because i'm assuming this competition, yeah I'm assuming this competition would write off the essentially the Champions League, um, and and I've also got a quick little note. Former Liverpool defender Jamie Carragher summed his feelings up succulently on Twitter. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll maybe maybe post a link to it in the notes rather than <laughs> quote, quote tweeting the story from saying "Please, oh f off." Um, yeah. So I'm glad Jamie offered his uh, his uh, his view on that. Um, what I think do you think this is? Yeah, I don't know. So I'm assuming that this league would have no promotions and relegations, to be honest. Um, because if it's got American backing, I mean, that's how they do their leagues. There's no promotion, there's no relegation. Um, and I'm not surprised they're involved because I heard this thing a while ago, like um, American owners are reluctant to invest in the Premier League, for example, because there's no salary cap. Um, because they, they buy their teams to run as a business, which we've seen with uh, Arsenal, Liverpool and United, that the American owners, they want, they want something out of it. Whereas when you look at the other owners like Abramovich um, and City's owner, I'm not saying that, I don't know anything, I'm not commenting on them on a personal level, but in terms of the, what they do with the club, they just put money in. They don't really yeah. take money out. Right? Yeah. So, you um, know, it's very true. Yeah. So it's unsurprising that there's American involvement because the, you can see that um, clubs like right, Liverpool are having a good few years, but Liverpool, United, uh, Arsenal as well, even Chelsea actually, for the last maybe five, six years, they've been in and out of the Champions League, um, which obviously we've seen how much that hits clubs' revenue. Um, so they, I guess they want to get rid of that issue, right? They they want to make more money. They want to guarantee that they're going to be playing the best teams every year. Um, so I'm guessing for them, it's more lucrative to say come 18th in a European Super League every year than miss out on Champions League qualification here and there. That's That would be my guess. Um, I don't think anyone's thinking about the fans in this at all, probably. Because um, you can imagine that this is going to be an expensive thing to follow your club around. Like, um, 
I don't know if they, they said about how many fan, how many teams would be in it. So the proposal is uh, either eighteen or twenty. Now, what's yeah. really interesting is um, you you, you mentioned that the fans haven't have, haven't had a look in at this. It, it's true. Why yeah. would you want to cheer for, for? Let's just say the example: Chelsea finish eighteenth. Why on earth would you be? Uh, you know, why would you want to watch your team finish eighteenth? Yeah. Why would you I mean, feel the, about that? The beauty of the Champions League is like even if you're having a rubbish season. So like Chelsea, when they won the Champions League, for example, they were having a poor season domestically. Um, but because it becomes knockout so early on, literally anything can happen. Yeah. Um, if you have a league situation throughout the whole, f- you know, <laughs> the you know they always say like the league table doesn't lie, right? Like uh, you can't hide in a league a league format. If you if you get off to a bad start, what you're gonna have like another twenty games playing the best teams of in Europe and getting smashed all the time, and <laughs> you know. But yeah, I guess I think yeah the amount of money that's being quoted, I think to me it does sound like coming eighteenth in that be more lucrative than qualifying for the Europa League and doing well in that. Um, what would be interesting is I'd like to see, and obviously it's probably very early stages, how it would yeah. impact the... So, for example, you know, the teams like Leicester, Villa, Everton, the guys that are, you know, in that kind of category now where they're not top six, but, you know, yeah. they could possibly get there. Um, how does it they're affect... They're going to be... They've got to be against it, right? So, um, so, so now do they consider, do they kind of exist in a league that is kind of almost like I don't know the championship or a step down above the top tier and and do they have their own kind of battle amongst other teams? So where- some of the things I some of the things I've heard is maybe you know let's, let's use United as an example. United would end up having a squad of like forty players maybe. Um, and competing in both or in both, yeah. And so like the, <laughs> then the best the best of the best would always be playing in the Euro- European one. Um, and then sort of not quite the B team, but a mixture would then be competing in the Premier League and something like that. Um, I guess if it replaces the Champions League, then in theory, there might not be that many more games per season. So maybe the Premier League stays as it is. Um, but, you know, we also saw that Project Big Picture where they were talking about cutting the Premier League to 18 teams, for example. You can see how those link in, right? If you're going to get more games in this European Super League, you want to have less in your domestic competition. Yeah, um, and there's a scrap of the League yeah. Cup as well in the community. The this this seems to then indicate that you'd be competing in both because you want, um, you know, use your squad for less games really rather than... Um, I think if we... So the this- more, more lucrative games rather than... I guess they're... Yeah, you know, if we look at the bottom of the table at the moment, I guess, yeah, t- the games against Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham, no offence, aren't as lucrative for a club like United as playing Real Madrid, Barcelona, etc. Um, I think as well, um, so the way I see it, if we look at it as football, because that's what it is at the end of the day, I don't think this benefits the Premier League. I think it benefits the other leagues where traditionally, you know, week every week fixtures, they're not exactly exactly breathtaking, right? Whereas in the Premier League, you do get games where you can lose to a team that's 15th or 16th or whatever, whatever place in the t- uh, table and it's not expected. Whereas I think traditionally in the kind of Italian, the French, the German, the Spanish League, okay, Spanish League is probably the most competitive because they've got about three teams that are vying for it. But in the other leagues, it's very yeah, the other, you, you know who the top four are going to be at the end of the year. Yeah, you, and you, and it's a massive shock if, for example, Barca drop points to a team that are 18th or Juve yeah. drop points to a team that are 14th in the Serie A. It's a big shock. Whereas in the Premier League, it's not. It's not a big shock. It's kind of like, oh, the, the, the team needs to work better. You know, there isn't headlines about it unless you get smashed like 6-1 or 7-2. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but the, the, the point is that I think that in terms of the actual quality of football, how, I don't know, I think almost it would get 
a bit boring watching your team play. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, like, you know, part of the excitement about the Champions League, for example, is when yeah. you draw someone like PSG yeah. in your group, you don't play PSG every year. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, the, the diehard, obviously, let's assume the fans are allowed in. The diehard fans get to see a new stadium. You know, they get to... Get to travel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Travel places. But if you're playing the same teams every year... It becomes like uh, like we had this issue last year where we faced Wolves about I think it was 116 times last season. Yeah, approximately. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, you get sick of the sight of them by the end. Yeah, and um, I think the baseline as well. So this kind of super level of teams like Juve and Bayern that would just become yeah. a baseline, and and it would just exactly. this. What's the excitement then? Uh, you know, even like looking at last year, like uh, all right, Bayern, you could say are some of the usual suspects for the latter stages of the. Champions League, but with you know, Bayern PSG almost felt like a new kind of final because PSG hadn't got there before. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I can't remember Bayern and PSG playing too much, so it felt like something new because we're used to for the last five years. Obviously, Bayern that aberration where Liverpool got won the <laughs> won the league. You, you you expect your Real Madrid's, Barcelona's, those kind of guys. They're always going to be in the final. So to have something like P- PSG Bayern, it was a nice, it was refreshing. Um, I guess even you could argue Liverpool Spurs even though that was a terrible final. It was refreshing to see some new teams, new teams around it. But if you, again, if you're just playing the same people every year, I don't know. It just, it doesn't do it for me. Um, I think there are issues in this league, but I kind of liked the sort of one, one leg knockouts they had last year. Um, If if I was going to redo something, I think that's what I would do. I'd say you choose maybe a neutral venue every year for the last eight. And then you just have one leg knockouts. Um, again, it becomes tricky then for fans to follow the teams, etc. Again, but I, if you're going to revamp it, those one leg games were so much better than some of the two leg ties we've seen before. You, you know what? I don't know. I'm, so, so my natural instinct is to say the one leg games were better because it's just you know you get a result after the ninety minutes. You don't have to wait two a week or two for the next fixture, etc., etc. But then it there's nothing better than making a comeback in the second leg like when we did it against PSG when Liverpool did it against Barca like I don't know as a fan when your team makes a comeback those are very rare right? they are very um, rare but they're they're I guess yeah that's why it makes it that's why it makes it better but um, but then you also you also get two-legged ties like um, Atletico Liverpool last year and I'm not complaining because Liverpool were knocked out but Atletico literally defended for what 200 minutes. So they could do all the games. <laughs> yeah. they, they defended for like 200 minutes, turned it on for five minutes in extra time. And then that was that. I mean, it's effective. I'm not begrudging them that. Like if, if we did it, I wouldn't be complaining, but it wasn't much of a spectacle, right? Yeah. Um, I agree with you on that. Some of these one-legged knockout games, they were really exciting because um, the teams knew that they, obviously they have to get defending right, but they, they had to go for it as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a tricky one. Um, it's very I'm not. I'm definitely not in favour of this European Super League or whatever. But definitely up for maybe a re- something new in uh, in Europe. We'll have to keep our ESP for any further information that comes out on that. Let's re- yeah. let's reel it back in. We've, we've discussed the, the Champions League. Let's take a little quick brief overview of the Premier League over the last week. Um, kind of big news. Vir- Virgil van Dijk injury. He's uh, suspected to be out for more than a season now. The latest news is that he will be very lucky to make it this season. Well, yeah, that's the thing. ACL, ACL at his age is not, it's not great. And obviously, we don't wish injuries on anyone, no matter who they who they play for so it's uh, disappointing to see that um, and I don't know what did you think of the tackle so of, uh, Pickford? 
So first of all, yeah, I'm the same as you. I, for, let, let me just put it out on the table. I think Van Dijk is one of the best defenders in the world. Um, I'm very envious that we don't have him. He reminds me a lot of Real Ferdinand. Um, the tackle was honestly one of the most stupid things. Okay, <laughs> I've seen Pickford do quite a few stupid things at this point. I think all of us have. Um, it was a, it was just an in- incredibly insane tackle to make. And I know, obviously, I'm assuming he didn't intend to kind of take him out. But it was just as a goalkeeper, you I don't know what you launching yourself well, at a, someone like that. Let's say if Van Dyke was on, on side, you'd assume Pickford thought he was on side, otherwise he wouldn't have committed that much to the challenge. He would have just given a penalty. He would have just given him a penalty. Yeah. So so as a goalkeeper. But yeah, usually we always say, Oh yeah, you know, they never intended to hurt them, blah, blah, blah. But I mean you play in goal quite a bit. Um if you're if you're in the penalty area one of your major advantages over the outfield player is you can use your hands, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so you would probably, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, would dive hands first and, you know, try and push it out. Or even if you make contact, then it's probably less damaging to anyone so, that way. So me me personally, and, I, and I, I'm assuming that most keepers would probably also have a very similar mindset. If I've come flying out at a player like that, it is purely because I do want to get the ball, but I also want that player to know that I'm there and I don't want him to come into my box again. Yeah. So that's, so of course, and obviously Van Dyke, he's a big, strong player, very physical yeah. in the air, very dominant in the air. So Pickford's probably thought, this is my chance to let Van Dyke know I'm here as well. So that when they get a corner next, um, he, he's a bit more hesitant in charging yeah. at the ball and jumping into the air with me. It's just a strange situation because the ball was in the air, right? It's not like he, Van Dyke had the ball under control and, yeah. <laughs> and was going to... If he had it under control and he was running at Pickford, then you could almost kind of understand him going feet first. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But it being in the air, surely you just got to go and try and punch the ball or something. Not, I, I think... <laughs> not fly, it wasn't even two-footed. I don't know how to describe the tackle. I mean, you have to you have to see it to understand, I guess. I think when the ball's in the air and you've launched your legs at it, you're 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 in the wrong place. You're you're, you're doing yeah. it wrong. You're, you're for whatever reason he's led in like that. I know he's a bit of an erratic goalkeeper, um, yeah. and and he makes. Has he, of, has, he said any, has he said anything since? I've not I've not heard if he's made a statement or anything. Um, so so quite. I don't know, quite, I, I don't know if humorously is the right word, but Sky Sports, I get these notifications of Sky Sports on my mobile phone. And yeah. just before we started recording, I got a notification that said, uh, Carlo Ancelotti says, Everton's Jordan Pickford is, in quotation marks, sorry, really sad. Sorry, I read that. Yes. <laughs> he said, really sad. Uh, and, and it was a mistimed contact. So so I think that's his kind of statement on it. And, and obviously, again, I don't think he's tried to injure him. I do think he's tried to let him know he's there. And by that, I mean, he's tried to put something in on him, but not obviously put the guy out for months <laughs> probably at work yeah. just give him a little knock and make him you know hobble a bit during the game um it is a big shame for liverpool uh, i think everyone has said that um part of the reason of their success again was because of allison and van dyke and that the fact that they didn't get any injuries they're now both injured um yep. so it's going to be a very interesting i think few months for liverpool um and and this will see i guess how, how much they can cope especially with gomez being taken off at half time in the villa game because of how poorly he performed for him to now probably be first choice alongside Fabinho slash Matip, uh, who well, Matip is Matip injured now as well. Yeah, Matip yeah. didn't play last night because uh, he yeah. picked up something. It's going—I don't know—it's going to be a very interesting time. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point we see James Milner centre back. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, speaking of some yeah. kind of other big names uh, this week, uh, Gareth Bale made his return to the Premier League. Uh, came up, yeah. came on with the Spurs being three 0 up. Ended up drawing the game, uh, three all. Uh, thanks to that Lanzini screamer in the last minute. Uh, very interesting. Oh, <laughs> um, 
he's a, it was a very interesting return to football. Peter Cech yeah. is back in the Chelsea squad. Um, yeah, as well. I thought you were joking when you, t- when you told me that. But <laughs> he, He's named as Chelsea's uh, fourth goalkeeper behind the Caballero Kepa, uh, Chelsea's most expensive player ever, Kepa, uh, and Mendy. Uh, he was there at the club for 11 years, won 13 trophies. Um, quite, I don't know, quite cool if he ever plays a game. Uh, I, I thought at this point he was gone. Um, I was watching, again, as I do in my spare time, sometimes watching, uh, I was watching some videos of Chelsea goal, Chelsea's goalkeeper training and I noticed, I think it was a month or two ago, he was quite active in that training. He was there in the right. full he training gear. Director of football or whatever it is. So. Yeah, he was there in the full training gear, and and he and he was doing the same exercises that the, that the goalkeepers were. And I remember at the time thinking, "Wow, that, that's that's pretty cool." You, I assumed he would probably be somewhere with a shirt and tie on and sat in an office because he was of yeah. his role. But um, but yeah, maybe that's probably shown why uh, Lampard's put him in the kind of squad. You know, he's unlikely he's going to make a a start. But you never know. You, you know, stranger things have happened in football. Um, some other True. notable, some other notable um, absences uh, due to this kind of Premier League twenty-five man squad announcement: are Phil Jones, um, Romero, Ozil, and Socrates. What do you think of those? Um, the Jones or Romero ones, I don't, I don't really get it because um, you know, obviously they want to sell them, but surely if they're going to stay, you're paying them whatever amount of money it is, just put them in the squad, right? You never know when, especially the Romero one, because just, I mean, Grant, Lee Grant knows he's never going to play a Premier League game anyway, <laughs> right? If worse comes, imagine De Gea and Henderson get injured, who are you going to want to call on, Romero or Grant, right? Even if Romero's not happy, I'm sure he's going to do a better job. Um, the was- other one, similar the thing is bizarre, right? Like you're paying him however much money. He's clearly not going to cancel his contract. You never know that you might need him. He's got to be better than Willock, etc. that have been <laughs> have been registered. Um, I would absolutely love to know what Ozil has done behind the scenes for him to warrant the treatment because from an external point of view, he seems like he hasn't done much wrong, right? I know he had that kind of uh, connection. Not that. He's, not the player. He's not the player that he was, blah, blah, blah. Um, he maybe not, he maybe doesn't give 100% anymore, but Again, if you're going to be paying him for that long, just put him in the squad at least. You never know when, <laughs> yeah. what he can come up with. Um, because at this point, he can now only make appearances for Arsenal under 23s, which yeah, pff, it, which is a, a waste. Of, it's a waste of time for everyone. It's um, a bit of a crazy decision, and and you're spending yeah. 350 allegedly k a week, and I guess <laughs> you know Gunnar Soros has got a job back off him, so that's quite pleasant but well I never know what happened but I never didn't find out what happened with it. I know he offered to pay for it but I didn't hear anything from Arsenal um, so um, on the point knows, on the point on um, um, Lee Grant and Romero I think I haven't looked at the complete um, makeup of the squad so I don't know who's in and who's not yeah. um, so I don't know if Grant was included because of the quota that's needed for homegrown players I'm not too sure but if I don't think we'd, I don't think we'd have an issue with that I feel like United out of all, all clubs would be alright on the homegrown if that's, if that's um, the case then not putting Romero in is a bit ridiculous considering in how look um, kind of loyal and you know he hasn't really kicked up a fuss. I know very recently yeah. there's been some stuff in the papers which I don't blame him about, right? Because the guy did even really that, even that was his wife who posted his it. Wife. Yeah, I, 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 I can't imagine he was too happy with that, but who knows? Um, yeah. But again, like, I, yeah, ridiculous to not put him in the squad. Jones, you know, okay, injury prone, but then why offer him such a long contract? Uh, if, he's got three he's got three years left right at least to protect his value put him in the squad give the impression that he's <laughs> he's wanted right because now you can imagine negotiations in January you know there's some whoever if someone is interested they're just going to offer basically next to nothing because they're like well you're not going to play him anyway you might as well sell him to us exactly 
So it's strange decisions all around, really. Um, strange decisions speaking of strange, all around. Uh, speaking of strange decisions, I guess we we didn't really touch upon it with the Virgil van Dijk thing, but how how do you think VAR's been in the last week in the Premier League? Would you, If you had to give it a ranking out of 10. If I had to give it a ranking out of 10, and if 10 was the performance that we saw from the referee in the Man United uh, PSG yeah, game. He was very good, actually. Uh, he's the probably best referee I've seen in a long time. Him not pointing to the spot when he gave the penalty, which was a bit confusing. Everything else he did was basically spot on. <laughs> that was confusing for everyone. When he blew, I thought, is he giving him a card for diving? Yeah. So if I say 10 is, you know, every single decision absolutely spot on and zero, the opposite. Um I don't know. I'd say I'd say nine. The only reason I'm not giving it a ten is because oh. I'm, the only reason I'm giving it not uh, the only reason I'm not giving it a ten is because for me a ten would be every single decision is correct. But to not send off Pickford, but then send off Richarlison after the whistle's blown for an earlier foul, I don't understand what the rule was. Right? So they cut off. They said there was it wasn't a foul on Van Dijk. Yeah. It wasn't a bookable offence or whatever because the whistle had gone for offside. But then Richarlison, the whistle had gone for a foul in the build-up, and then he smashed into Thiago. But then you've just given him a card for something that's happened after the whistle's gone. So I don't know what the rule is. Right? Is it once the whistle goes, everyone can just slide tackle each other and it's fine? Or well, I don't know. I don't know what the rule is. For me, I'm like I'm kind of feel like just just based on the Liverpool game alone, it should be like a three, um, nine. I think I don't know. You're being very generous too. <laughs> We've got two different scales here. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I, I think, think well maybe the, I guess the already with VAR itself is with the people running it, right? Um, exactly. You know, That's simply, what it is. And, uh, even like uh, like I mean, I'm as biased as they come, but I don't know how they decided. Uh, that there was a Van Dyke was offside. I don't know how they decided Mane was offside for the Liverpool disallowed goal. So, so with the Mane um, one, actually, this is my view. So, uh, I'm looking at the pictures um, from from the yeah. offside decision. Okay, so technically speaking, right? If if we be completely binary about the offside, either on or off, he's yeah. off purely based on the fact that his top of his like blows out um, shoulder joint or something is a tiny bit in front. But I also think that there should also be a common sense factor put into this. And there yeah. should be a common sense I factor of... I thought that's what they changed. Because I remember last year there was a ton of these like armpit offsides they called them. Yeah. Called them. I, and I think the um, common sense factor should ask the question, does this really give the striker an advantage? Because I don't think it does. Because he hasn't scored with that body part. He hasn't used that body part to like nudge a man off. Or any, he hasn't used it. He's gone with his feet. So personally, I think that there should be, I don't know, there should be a leeway of like, I don't know, 5% of the person's body or God, 1%, 2%. So, it's start, so we can eliminate these stupid toe and elbow. That's the thing. I think the danger with, um, well, I think this is the, the thing we've highlighted there, you saying about the common sense. I think that's my biggest issue with VAR in the first place is, um, you know, like, so obviously the goal line technology, I know it made a mistake last year once, but that's like one out of like a hundred times, right? Very true. Yep. That, that's, that's a very clear yes or no answer, right? Yep. Um, but every every decision that VAR makes is still subjective. I agree. So if you still got humans on the other end making that decision, um. It's pointless because the <laughs> you're better off spending the time and effort on making the actual officials that are refereeing the game, getting them better at their job, rather than putting people who are equally, um, or some of them are probably worse than, worse at the, like, I mean, refereeing is a hard job. I'm not saying it's not, but I'm saying, for, like, for example, some of the decisions you, you wonder, like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so if you're putting people at that same skill level or worse, making the decision for VAR, 
it's not going to change anything. You're still going to get these decisions, which are ridiculous. Like people are going to argue about the, so the, the only way you can do it. If, you, if there's some sort of technology that the technology is making the decision, but that's not the case with, um, so I, I, th- I don't see the point in it at all to be honest. the thing is there's been a very kind of clear shift in how they use the VAR so I think at the, when they first introduced it anytime the referee did anything if it was wrong the VAR would correct it whereas I think as of this season slash towards the end of last right. season anything they, they keep using the clear and obvious clause right. where and that, that doesn't mean anything yeah. I feel like they changed their mind every week it's like one week they'll say alright we're going to overturn everything then next week they, you know, they get criticised for that they say, oh, you know, you know, the referee doesn't get enough respect now. Then the next week, they don't overturn anything. Honestly, um, I think it gets to a point where they have a little team, a weekly call on a Monday morning with all the referees yeah, on it, yeah. and they say, guys, what did we mess up this weekend? And they and they they pull out what they messed up that weekend, and they say, all right, this weekend, let's do the opposite. Yeah. And, and then they and then they mess up the opposite, and then they say, all right, we'll go back to the other way. And it's just <laughs> the thing is, like, okay, they've clearly changed the handball ruling now. So at the start of the season, it was any time it touches a hand, regardless of the context, it's a penalty. And and because of that, Liverpool won a game against Leeds because they got a pen off it. Um, right. Now they've obviously changed that. They've obviously said, you know, there needs to be some kind of intent. There's definitely been a change because you're not seeing it happen as much. And but the difference is that in the, at the end of the season, that's still plus three points in the favor of the team that got that penalty. Um, regard you know, no matter how they've changed how they interpret it or whatnot, so it is. I don't know. It's a bit crazy. I think that the interpret it's not consistent. If if you're gonna put rules in, they need to be consistent at least. Um, and for whatever reason, the referees interpret it for different reasons, and and they deploy it in the way that they want to deploy it during that game. I don't know if it's uh, Which, it would be- that, that is my that is my whole issue with VAR. Is it's just again, it's just down to that person who sat behind the screen, and it's not so. It's, we were told it was going to take out all the debate, but it just hasn't. <laughs> I think a possible just... solution is if there's a, a, an open line on the comms between the referees and the VAR. Uh, they do it in rugby. It works very well. Um, because it gives... Yeah, definitely there's a lack of transparency between... I think they um, should do that. And I think the reason they're not doing it is because they want to protect the profession, which is fair enough. Yeah. You know, they, they do even, have... even worse in Europe, in Europe, in the Europe Champions League, they don't even show the replays to the to the, <laughs> to the, to the, to the fans. They, like, they do uh, that, don't uh, they? And also, there's still those two guys on the line, uh, goal line, that we don't really know what they do. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I think the, the best solution would be to get uh, open comms on, on what they're saying. Because then at least as a viewer, as a pundit, as a, you know, someone who works at the club, you've got some sort of justification as to why they've done what they've done. Uh, and it's not just them being insane because that's what it can be perceived as but yeah yeah what can you do um but yeah so we've run a bit long this week so we've we hit uh 50 minutes which is not bad <laughs> um but we've covered everything we wanted to so we will be back next week i guess so we've got quite a few a big premier league weekend this week and there's some more champions league games i think um so yeah if you enjoyed the episode do the usual leave us some comments on uh apple podcast reviews i think spotify you can comment now as well and youtube as well That'd be good. Um, And yeah, otherwise we will see you all next week. Thanks everyone.